Welcome to The World in 10, where we bring you stories from around the world brought to us by The Times Correspondents. I'm Laura Cook. And I'm Stuart Willey. Today we hear how a new wave of young Palestinian fighters take orders from no one. Also, how power can change fiery populist leaders. And no holiday is complete without a rented chicken. Yes, you heard right. today in the Jenin refugee camp, where a new generation of Palestinian armed resistance has sprung up. I smelt death. I saw death. I felt my spirit go from my body. I was ready to die and become a martyr. I was in a lot of pain and I wanted the pain to stop. We're talking about the Janine Brigades, members of this military coalition. They're young. They follow no one's orders. The words there of 18-year-old Habosh, spoken by an actor. Now, on Thursday's podcast, you might remember we brought you some harrowing tales as the Times diplomatic correspondent Catherine Philp spoke to people returning to their homes following the Israeli incursion earlier in the week. One father explained his fear that the youngsters in the camp would see this violence and a vicious cycle of resistance would result. Well, those fears might be being realised. In today's Times, Catherine looks more closely at this relatively new outfit and how they operate. She told us they traced their genesis back to a daring jailbreak in 2021, which created an abnormal boost of morale among Palestinians. What happened was that a lot of young people flocked to join some kind of amorphous grouping, which we call the Janine Brigade. That is a very diffuse structure. So traditionally, Palestinian militants would belong to an organization like Hamas or Islamic Jihad. The Janine Brigades, you can you can be part of any of those groups or none and still be within the Janine Brigades. And the difference between them and previous militant groups we've seen is they will decide what action they want to take if they want to launch a terror attack somewhere. And then they'll go to these established groups for the funding, but they don't take orders from them. And this makes them very difficult for the Israelis security forces and intelligence to deal with because there are no plots to intercept. It's all happening on a very low level. Now, the main target of the incursion this week was a militant command centre deep in the packed camp. Just the morning after, fighters from the Janine Brigades were back on the streets in force. Aged between 16 and 22, they have a burning sense of grievance. Catherine explained to us how raids like this week are fueling the numbers of those fighters joining. Really what happens is that every time there's some kind of Israeli military raid into the camps where they go looking for people, it kind of fuels the recruitment. When people are killed, people's relatives are killed, a lot of them will join. And, you know, young children and new generation are sort of watching this and, and, and looking up to these fighters as sort of heroic figures. This Tuesday, we'll see the start of a big NATO summit in Lithuania. World leaders, including President Biden and British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, will be there. It'll be focused on two things, Sweden joining the military alliance and support for Ukraine. Ukraine's just 400 or so miles away from where this meeting is being held and when or if they could join will be a hot topic of discussion. President Erdogan met with President Zelensky and said Ukraine deserves membership, so support from Turkey there. But 500 days after Russia's invasion, Ukraine is calling for more weapons. Now, 
Ahead of the summit, the US announced on Friday a further $800 million or £600 million security package. Crucially, the package includes cluster munitions and this has caused dismay from some. Cluster munitions are, are really controversial. They're shells that fire out hundreds of little bomblets, mini bombs. 121 countries ban them because they pose a lot of dangers to civilians, often long after the conflict has moved on. When I reported from Afghanistan, I saw firsthand the awful injuries caused, especially to children who, who are just drawn to the brightly coloured bomblets that, that haven't detonated. Most European countries and many NATO members ban them, but the US doesn't. So this could be contentious at the summit. Despite this, the US National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says they could be a game changer for the Ukrainians. So the bottom line is this. We recognise that cluster munitions create a risk of civilian harm from unexploded ordnance. This is why we've deferred the decision for as long as we could. But there is also a massive risk of civilian harm if Russian troops and tanks roll over Ukrainian positions and take more Ukrainian territory and subjugate more Ukrainian civilians because Ukraine does not have enough artillery. You can read much more about these weapons, including how they could change the counteroffensive in the east of Ukraine on the Times website or app now. When people mention populist politics, many of us think about former President Trump or the Brexit referendum in Britain. But there's an interesting piece in today's Times on how Giorgio Meloni, the Prime Minister of Italy, is being studied by populist politicians across Europe. Tom Kington, who's a Times correspondent in Rome, told us there's no shortage of leaders who are keen to see how Miss Meloni gets on, as the cost of food for Europeans means increasing support for those parties on the right. In Spain, the Vox party is on the rise. In France, I think Marine Le Pen uh, will get a big boost from the fallout from the recent rioting. Then you've got uh, Finland, Sweden parties there are um, uh, exercising some sort of clout to clamp down on migration. Greece has just gone um, pretty much hard right. And then in Germany, the AFD party is um, for the first time scoring electoral wins. Tom also pointed out how once in office, Miss Maloney's often fiery campaign rhetoric really reduced. It's a case of once you get in power, you have to, uh, you, you can't be the kind of hooligan you were when you were campaigning. So I think that a lot of the uh, right wing parties watching Maloney are thinking, oh, OK, well, um, maybe maybe if we get into power, we'll, we'll have to do the same. in the news is grim and dark it's sometimes helpful to look to those who've survived or even thrived in tough times and Joan Collins the legendary actress is a great example that's Dame Joan Collins, oh, a title me. I suspect she might expect us to use. <laughs> the now 90-year-old doyenne of divas has been through it all, she says. Life isn't a bowl of cherries. Life is a bowl of cherry pips. I've had quite a few, she says, especially in the husband department. There's a great interview in The Times today where Andrew Billen meets Dame Joan and describes her as a 90 going on 35, praising her face as exquisitely carved from marshmallow. Oh, to be described like that when I'm 90. <laughs> she talks about still having to work long past retirement age, her standout role in Dynasty and Hollywood's toxic gossip industry. Not to mention the divorces. All of those husbands. 
and how she pulls on a baseball cap and sunglasses for incognito trips to the supermarket. Now, Stuart, when you go on holiday, what are the can't-do-without items that you make sure you have? Sunscreen, phone charger... Uh, Marmite. Yeah, pretty well. Uh, unusual, but pretty good. I can understand all of those. So, how about a chicken? Uh, to put in my mouth, I imagine. No. <laughs> There's an organisation in Connecticut that rents out chickens for Hamptons holidaymakers <laughs> to complete their vacation experience. It's just $1,200, and for the season in the Hamptons, you can rent the chicken. They'll give you a chicken coop two to four egg-laying hens, some feed, as well as all the instructions you need to care for them. Well, why not? Why is this happening? Well, this nationwide company, it was founded about 10 years ago, and it found people actually feared the long-term commitment of owning their feathery friends. But renting them like this banishes those fears. Are you sold, Stuart? I just don't want to clean out that coop. <laughs> That's almost it for today's World in 10, but tune in tomorrow where we'll be talking internet trolls and also peer into space and hear about a supermassive black hole. It's been a year since the giant James Webb Space Telescope started sending back images of faraway galaxies and the Sunday Times science editor Ben Spencer will be telling us about some of the highlights. So we're seeing the birth of stars, we're seeing the death of stars, we're seeing galaxies collide... We're seeing nebula, we're seeing things very close, relatively, in our own solar system in great, great detail. Stunning images of Saturn and Jupiter, even Uranus and Neptune. I mean, it's just never ending. And this is the first year, just one year's worth of science. And we've got another 19 or so to go. It's just incredible. Thanks for joining us today. There's lots more tomorrow. Tomorrow.